Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. Title of my message today is Soul Control. We are made up of three aspects, body, soul, and spirit. And they all intersect with one another. Just as God is made up of God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we're representative of that. That's the way he's made us. And when a person receives Christ, his spirit receives life and acknowledges There is a God who saved me. You know, previous to my accepting Christ, um, yeah, I kind of, you know, there's something out there. You know, I grew up on the beach going surfing, and uh, there was all kinds of philosophies. One of the philosophies was uh, this uh, surf guru that hung out in the area that I surfed was uh, God is the ocean. And the surfboard is mediator between God and man. You know, and one day I was out there, and you know, that sounds pretty cool. You know, all those philosophies sound cool until these people from Calvary Chapel show up marching down carrying a cross. They're going to preach the gospel to you because that's happened. That happened to me a couple of times down there that I was not ready to receive the gospel. You'd see them coming. You'd go, it's time to surf. And you'd paddle out and hope for them to go by, you know. But uh, that seems, all these philosophies seem pretty good, but one time I was out there just sitting there, and I thought, I had this revelation. God is not the ocean. All that's out here is this seaweed that's, you know, and, and I'm not enjoying it any longer. I began to lose something in that idea. So I began to search for God. Um, it led me to Alaska. But we're made up of body, soul, and spirit. And when our spirit receives Christ, it just births. Usually, to me, it was a voice that shouted, there is a God, and he saved me. But it's absolutely critical at this point to begin to feed yourself the Word of God, to begin to read the Bible, to begin to understand uh, the Bible from the aspect of the spirit birthing that Uh, revelation in you, that illumination in you. Unlike any other word, God's word can reach and strengthen the human spirit. There's an old song, you can read your books and magazines, you can read of love and tragic things, and not one word of scripture will you know, but it is the very truth, and its contents good for you. Dust on the Bible will doom your poor soul. (laughs) Should I go on? (laughs) Matt's into it. You can read of love and tragic things. Did I say that already? Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, all right. Well, one day I'll sing it to you. So let's look in our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4.
In Hebrews chapter 4, in the 12th verse, it says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. Amen. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one whom we are, uh, to whom we are accountable. The word of God is powerful, dividing between, it says here, soul and spirit. A lot of people don't understand the fullness of that we have a spirit, we're spirit beings, and we also have a soul. And as I look at this this morning and I consider the title Soul Control, it reminds me of we have a puppy. Our puppy is now nine months old, over 65 pounds, and he's discovered while we were on, uh, in, in Texas and someone was watching our dog, he discovered that he can get on the counter because he's as tall as me when he stands up, just about. He can get on the counter and eat stuff <laughs> immediately. I, he's a stealth. He is completely stealth. And so as I'm training this dog, I draw a correlation to training my soul. My soul is just like that, totally disciplined when I know I'm being watched all the time. Turn your back for a second, and that food is gone off the counter. <laughs> and he knows it's wrong. His conscience is working, because I made myself a, a peanut, PMB, peanut butter and jelly on a, on a, a roll, a hamburger roll. And I just turned for a second to the refrigerator. I come back, and he's like, boom. And I looked at him, and he ran. <laughs> He ran, nothing's hidden from God. He ran down and he went over and we got a little place uh, for him to go into and he got there. The interesting thing is that, that bun, what kind of buns are those? Pub buns or something? Brioche? Anyway, they're real gummy. And I loved it. For the next hour, he's like, <laughs> he just can't get rid of it. Nancy's like, should we give him a carrot? No. Can we give him some water? No, he's going to suffer. <laughs> going to discipline that soul. But unlike any other word, the word of God can reach and strengthen the human spirit. From the, from the moment God's word reaches the human spirit, God's spirit bears witness that we are children of God. Romans 8:16 tells us that we are the children of God, for the, the Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Using my dog as an example again, he's still my dog. He's got some ways to go in the learning of his yeah. nature. Your soul is still a, you're still a child of God. Your soul just has a ways to go. The soul has to be changed. So there, let's, uh, speaking of the soul, it's mentioned over 500 verses in the Bible uh, 
speak of the soul. Some of its capabilities are this. There's a great book, by the way, by a man named Watchman Nee called The Latent Power of the Soul. But some of the attributes of the soul, of, of its capabilities, is the soul hungers and thirsts. Proverbs 6, verse 30 says, I'll just look it up. What's it say? For a thief who steals because he is starving. Uh, meaning, in another translation, meaning that if a thief steals to feed his hunger, his soul, he's excused for that. But another scripture says if a, if a person steals for not being hungry just because he's a thief, says he despises his soul. Proverbs 13.25 The godly eat to their heart's content, but the belly of the wicked goes hungry. What does that mean? Yeah. Your soul's like an untrained dog. You're like a puppy. It just... You know, uh, grocery stores understand this. Marketing understands this. Catalogs understand this. They understand that, uh, that, that desire to have something right now, spontaneity, you've got to have it. You've got to fill that need within you. Like, oh, I've I got to have that right now. That's your soul. Two, the soul expresses affection and love. In 1 Samuel 18, 1, we see the, the relationship between David and Jonathan. And it says their souls were as one. They, they, they loved one another. And uh, they could not be divided. You know, when, when, you, when you understand that principle... Um, and you have a brother or a sister that you know God has just brought you together. The devil wants to come and divide that because he comes as a thief to steal, kill, destroy. And he's a divider, and he wants to divide that. You find that soulmate. You know, you got your soulmate, you guys that are sitting there next to your spouses right now. Yeah, my soulmate. You may feel that right now because we're in the presence of the Lord, but tomorrow morning... That could change. But the soul can uh, uh, express itself through affection and love. Jonathan and David is an example. Uh, Psalm 42.2 says, My soul thirsts for God. I just thirst for God. Pride. Pride's an attribute of the soul. You know how to deal with it? Well, here's a couple. Psalm 35, 13, David shows us, he says, I humble my soul by fasting. 
Now, I had a wonderful idea yesterday. I was telling Nancy that last week I had this wonderful idea that as a church, we should fast. We should have a fast. And we kind of miss January. A lot of churches choose January to do some sort of a fast. A friend of ours, one of our missionaries in Kazakhstan, was telling me they're on a, a fast where they're not eating uh, any dairy or any meat for the month, just vegetables and fruits. And uh, so I had this idea. We missed it. So I'm thinking February. We should set it aside as a month to fast chocolate. It didn't take her long. She got on to me on that one right away. Said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're up to something. Anyway, Psalms says, I humble my soul by fasting. Psalm 69.10 says, I disciplined my soul with fasting. Fasting is a powerful tool to deal with your soul. Many Christians, myself included, most of the time, operate out of our souls rather than our spirits. We're soul-led rather than spirit-led. Soul-led means I got to have that. I want that. I need that. I'm hungry. Fill me. I got to have that third piece of pie. I'm not hungry, but man, it looks good to the eye. I got to have it. That's soul-led. In that song, how many are familiar with the song Hotel California? It says uh, in one lyric there, it says, uh, she's Tiffany-minded. Tiffany twisted, correct. I had it wrong. Twif- Tiffany, Twiffany, Twiffany twisted. Tiffany twisted. I was like, what does that mean? It means that she has her eyes on worldly things. When you have your eyes on worldly things, thinking that is going to make you happy. That is going to fulfill you. That is going to produce in you a sense of well-being and accomplishment. You have Tiffany twisted thinking. And you can check out any time you want, but you can never leave. Unless you leave with Jesus. Because the word of God will do that for you. It's powerful. All right, I don't want to get too far off into that. Vic's favorite song. It's the first song he learned in English. (laughs) Now, the soul also can express emotions. It can go from great happiness to great despair and great sadness. My soul rejoices in the Lord. Psalm 35, 9. It rejoices in the Lord. Psalm 119, a few chapters over, he's writing, My soul melts and weeps in despair with sorrow. We can go from a great height to a great low in our souls in, in a matter of minutes. Like I said, we can go from, you're my, you're my soulmate, to I'm not so sure about you. In a short time. 
Another attribute of the soul is that of hate. You can hate your own soul by sinning against it. Do you know you can sin against your soul? Proverbs 29:24 Whoso partners with a thief hates his own soul. It's an interesting scripture. He who partners with a thief hates his own soul. Who's the thief? He's the he's the the leader. He's the thief among thieves. Proverbs 15:32 says he who refuses instruction despises his soul. One of my favorite scriptures says the liberal soul, now that's not speaking politically, it's talking about generosity. The liberal soul shall be made fat. Amen. Uh, <laughs> so let's turn to Galatians chapter 5, see what it has to say. So are you with me so far? Yeah, good word. You know, when we were, uh, don't forget, don't lose sight of all of this in the, in the working on the soul has to do directly with you reading the Word of God. Remember, that's the Word of God that's sharp and can divide between that very fine, that, man, I mean, not even a surgeon's weapon, uh, surgical tool can do this, but between soul and spirit and be able to discern between the two so that you can live a life filled with power of God. Okay, uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of the sinful, that the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions, but you are directed by the spirit. You are not under obligation to the law of Moses. It's one translation says the soul fights the spirit and the spirit fights the soul. One of my favorite songs of old. I'm a soul man. Do, 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 do. I'm a soul man. <laughs> Why does that ring so true to us? Because we have a soul. It's not a bad thing to have a soul. It's a bad thing to have a soul that's not trained and that's left to just its own way. It's got to be dominated and brought into subjection to the spirit man. Now, two, two weeks ago, I introduced the idea that decrease is the new increase. The soul must decrease so that the spirit can increase. I want to give a few examples of, again, that I didn't get to a couple weeks ago on decrease that leads to increase. 
Um, it's a mystery. Only, only God can do these kind of things. You know, he can take nothing and produce a universe out of it. I love that. I could stop right there. Let's just go home. God can take nothing and make a universe out of it that's continuing to expand even now. I love how science comes across with such authority, and yet they're like, we don't understand it. It just keeps changing. Well, maybe science doesn't have the authority they think they have. Okay, Philippians chapter 2. This is an example of less becomes more, decrease becomes increase. This is speaking of Jesus in verse 5. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, that's fully increased, right? He did not think equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave or servant and was born as a human being. And when he appeared uh, in human form, he humbled himself even further. You see, he could have come in human form and still been the king of glory. He still was born the king of glory. He humbled himself and took the position of a servant, a slave, and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself further in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Now, he was completely reduced completely decreased everything he had, and he brought himself down to the complete, completely decreased, and out of that came the greatest increase of ever yes. in the history of all creation. Thank you, Jesus. And because of that, you're here today. Let's go over to Philippians 3. In verse 7, in chapter 3, verse 7, speaking of Paul the Apostle, he uses the same idea, the same concept, and he's saying, I once thought that these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Everything else is worthless 
when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness. Boy, that's a toughie. We're always justifying ourselves. We are always trying to make ourselves appear righteous. He says, I've given up my own righteousness. I let that go. I'm decreasing. I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness um, through obeying the law. Rather, I became righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. So Paul, the Apostle Paul, actually came from a pretty wealthy, privileged family. He had a pretty successful business. He was successful in his learning. He was schooled. He had the best doctrine of the day. I mean, he's like a lot of the church world today. We're prospered. We got the best teachings available at this point in time. He says, look, that's worthless if you don't know Christ. That's worthless if it's causing you to stumble from your pursuit of knowing him more. It's worthless if it slows you down, encumbers you, stops you from giving yourself fully to his purpose. Philippians chapter 1, Philippians is a good book, especially when I'm trying to make my point. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. Now, before I read this, I want to give a little picture. Paul the Apostle, who at one time had it all by the standard of his culture, the world. He, he was a Jew by birth. He had Roman citizenship. I mean, he, he, was in good, he was in good shape. And because he gave all that up in his pursuit of Christ, having received Jesus Christ, he suffered persecution. He suffered beatings. He suffered jail. He suffered all kinds of things. He says, uh, not only did I give it all up, but it was taken from me what I didn't give up. And here he says, I've been in jail, I'm in prison, I'm, man, I've been left for dead three times. And you wonder, well, if I become less, if my life gets reduced, how can I serve God? He says that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news for everyone here. He's talking about, I'm in prison, man. 
give me a break, man. I'm in prison. I'm reduced to nothing. Prison wasn't like it is today. The orange is not the new black or whatever that's called. I got it wrong, I, I know, but anyway, he didn't, he didn't have TV, he, he didn't have good things. It was not a good place. It stunk. Everything that has happened to me has helped to spread the good news for everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. Now, whatever shape, condition, circumstances you're in, God has a plan for you and a vision for you. And he wants to use you. He wants to use you just like you are. Don't wait until you're a full-trained puppy. Your soul's in constant training for the rest of your life. Let's get that straight. It's not a one-and-done deal. It, it is the rest of your life. Your soul will rise up. I got to have that. I got to be this way. My feelings count. It's just the way it is. But God will take you as you are, how you are, right now, and use you. Because he loves you. He's got a plan, and you're a part of his plan. I'm going to talk about Samson for a moment. I don't know how this fits, but I got 5, 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> Samson, I don't understand Samson. He's, he's a strange bird. Anyway, he, he, he marries this gal, right? And then she, she, he, he does a trick to pay for his own wedding. He's pretty sharp. He's, he does this trick to pay for his own wedding by coming up with a, uh, what do you call those things? A, a, a riddle. A riddle. And if, if the, the bride's family and the, all the men of the area couldn't uh, figure out the riddle, they were going to have to pay, come up and pay for all this stuff. So they kept after the wife, after the wife, after the wife, after the wife. And they finally got the answer to the riddle, because he told her. And, uh, and so they brought him the answer to the riddle, and now he has to pay them. Now, here's where I don't understand how this all fits, but we're going to go with the story anyway. It's a good story. Yeah. So he goes, well, I got I to gotta come up with enough to pay off these 30 guys. So he goes over here, and he kills 30 guys takes all their stuff and brings it over and gives it to them over here. And they're like, uh, what's the reason for him doing this? And so then he decides, well, I'll even get even further. I'm going to put fire on the tails of all these foxes, send it through the fields, burn all their fields down. That'll show them. Well, I'm skipping over a lot because I want to get to the point. The point is, God uses you where you're at with what you have available. So now all of a sudden, he's faced with not only the Philistines are after him, but the, the people of Judah, his own people, are after him because the Philistines are putting pressure on him. They rule over Israel. They're putting pressure on Israel. Give us this guy. 
And they're like, if we don't, they're going to make our lives miserable. So they go to Samson, they say, uh, dude, we got to give you up. Pretty sure that was in King James, though. Dudeth, we got to give it to you up. Anyway, so he says, okay, go ahead and bind me. They bind him. He says, just don't kill me. Send me to them. So he does. And it says the Spirit of God came on him. Here's the key. Spirit of God came upon him with great power, and those binds just fell off as though that was burnt reeds. And he looked around, and he picked up a jawbone of a donkey, a freshly killed donkey, and slew a thousand of them. They all fled, obviously. My point is, don't give a whole lot of thought about how and when and where God's going to use you. He's going to use you right now, as you are, as a parent, as a, as a spouse, as an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent or uh, whatever you might be. A friend, a brother, a sister, a neighbor. God's going to use you to affect thousands of lives. Okay, let's finish up with Luke. I kind of got sidetracked there. This is a good story, though. Yeah. Uh, Book of Luke, chapter 14. In the, I think the point there was uh, Samson, in his being decreased, it was took the spirit of God, brought about the will of God, and increase. Okay, Luke chapter 14, verse 33. Um, Jesus said this, You cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Yeah. Ouch. You know, when I first got saved... My wife talked me into getting involved with these hippies that lived in a commune. And it was easy to give up everything. I had like a second pair of socks and a backpack. I'm like, I'm in. Anybody need my socks? Now, it might be a different story. Hey, wait a minute. I got a house and a car and I got a dog. (laughs) Dog would be pretty not. We discussed this yesterday. (laughs) Anybody want a dog? (laughs) Jesus says, unless you give up everything, you cannot become my disciple. But what happens when you become his disciple? You gain the kingdom of God. And within the kingdom of God is everything you could ever want or need because it will be provided for you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added to your life. Amen. Matthew chapter 13. Are you with me still? I know it's getting kind of long. I've almost gone my whole 35 minutes. That's a big sacrifice to make in this day and age. (laughs) I, I like Sid. You know, a, a little side note, once again, I have room for that, is uh, we talk about the power of the Word of God. 
from the day I got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, the Word of God came so alive to me that I understood the power of our words. Our words, it says, we speak life or we can speak death. I mean, we have this powerful thing of, of, of what we speak. And back in the day, we didn't have overheads like this. And we were going to a pretty large church. And they sang this song. I love this song. It's called, Jesus Reduce Me to Love. But we didn't have the words on an overhead. I thought it was saying, Jesus, reduce me to dust. If I have not charity, if love does not flow through me, I am nothing. Jesus reduced me to dust. I would not sing that song. I'm like, uh-uh. I don't know why all these people are singing. And then one day, Jesus reduced me to love. I'm like, oh, I can sing that. Power of our words. That's why it's so important to be spirit-led in your words rather than soul-led. Your soul can really wreak havoc and in its wordings and and produce a lot of damage. What did I say, Matthew 13? Okay, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in the field. In his excitement, he hid it again, sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls, when he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Obviously, this is referring to the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is worth you giving up everything in this life that you're willing to. In Matthew 20, verse 26, Jesus says, If you want to be great in my kingdom, then become a servant. See, there is a great representation of decrease. I mean, i got to become a servant. It doesn't just say a servant. It says a servant to all. you got to become a servant to all. That is a whole new mindset, a whole new dimension for the soul. The soul is all about itself, self-gratification, self-grandizing, self this, self that. It takes a spiritual mind, a spiritual conversion to understand, if I want to be great, I become the servant. Because the increase comes from God, not from my own hand. The increase comes from how God sees it, not from how I see it. Let's see, I might have one more. Can you handle one more? Yeah, bring it up. Matthew chapter 19. Someone came to Jesus in verse 16 with a question, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? 
Why ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one good, one, only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones, the man asked. Jesus replied, you must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, you must honor your father and your mother and love your neighbor as yourself. The man responded, I've obeyed all these commandments. What else must I do? That's an interesting point. I've obeyed all these commandments, but there's a hole in my life. I don't have that assurity. What else must I do to get it? Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. You see, the key to fulfillment is not in what we possess. The key to fulfillment is that we're willing to follow Jesus. We're willing to surrender all that we are, all that we can hope to be, because he has a glorious plan for you that's greater than your plan. He, he wants to do things in your life you would have never considered. You'd have never thought of. He has a plan for you that goes beyond anything you could think. Lord, give us the heart to be servants, to, to know how to serve one another, to know how, how to love somebody in an unlovable situation, to know how to show compassion to show somebody that you don't, you, you don't understand their level of hurt. You don't understand their level of hurt. You don't understand their level of brokenness. You don't understand the things that happen to them. And they may be not appearing to be overly lovable in that situation. But just because we don't understand it doesn't mean we cannot have compassion because we can humble ourselves, we can decrease ourselves, that Christ can be glorified through us. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website, whitefieldsalaska.com. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you today.